Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 349. Today, I'm going to take just a few more minutes and talk with you about the relationship between parents and children and the God-given responsibility to pass on to the next generation the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Yesterday, I centered in on the responsibility of the parents to educate their children Christianly, based upon a distinctive Christian worldview. Now, let me just stop and say that if you and I as parents don't do this, who's going to? It's not going to be the church. The churches of Jesus, by and large anymore, they don't even teach the Bible stories. They have gotten off into other things that are, quote, more relevant than the Bible, which nothing is, but we think sometimes we're smarter than God. And so we have got to take responsibility for our own children. And if the church will help us in that, praise the Lord. But if not, it's still our responsibility. We cannot delegate this to secular education and government schools because they're not going to train up a child in the way they should go, in the way of God. God is outlawed from the schools. We're not even allowed to share the name of Jesus. People say, well, I can pray, yes, silently, but if you do it openly, and as an adult, you lead children in that, you're going to be litigated and sued. And so we have a responsibility to our children, and God gave that both in the Old and the New Testaments. We are to teach our children in the way of the Lord. I started reading Psalm 78 yesterday. I'm going to go to verse 5 today and just go down through this and give you a running commentary as we go. Now, this is the word of God. It's a contemplation of Asaph, one of the chief singers of the temple. For he, that is God, established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. That is, God has given us laws and statutes. He's given us a sure word. He has given us a value system. That is what we are to value, what's important to us. Our value system will ultimately determine what we do, how we behave, how we conduct ourselves, how we do business, how we raise our children. And when we teach children that God created them in his image, that he did that for for a purpose. He did that with purpose. He did it on purpose. That is, they are not an accident. They are divinely ordered. And God has written down the very unique fingerprints of every individual. He has counted all of their members. That's what Psalm 139 says. And that's not just poetic license. God knows everything about us. He made us unique. Unique is an absolute word. There's not very unique, really unique, somewhat unique. You're either unique or you're not. That means one of a kind. And so the Bible says that God has established a value system. Now, your children are going to be brought up with someone's values, either yours or someone else's. If your values are the values of the Bible, then you have a responsibility to pass those on. And if you don't, they will grow 
grow up with some value system. They will look at life through some lens, and you and I have the opportunity to do that. Now, if we delegate that to someone else, when you delegate something, that doesn't relieve you of accountability. No, you have more accountability because now, since you're not doing it yourself, you're having to follow up and make sure that someone else is doing what you would have been doing if you had the time to do it yourself. That's what delegation is. It's not just throwing up your hands and saying, well, someone else is going to have to do it. I don't have time to do it. That's not delegation. That's running from responsibility. That's irresponsibility. And so the Bible says that God has appointed statutes and laws, which he commanded our fathers that is the Jews from which we as Christians sprang. Remember, the Bible's a Jewish book written by Jews to Jews, primarily for Jews, and that God has laid out those principles for all of us, and that these fathers should make known them to their children. It's the father's responsibility primarily. Now, if he delegates that to the mother, that's great. If the mother delegates that to others, that's great, but you've got to follow up with that. You must hold people accountable. You remember the laws of leadership that I have written and preached and taught on extensively. That is the first thing we've got to do is make an assignment. We've got to make it clear. Then we have to Give someone the authority and the ability and the room to fulfill the assignment that we've given them. We need to train them, make sure they're trained, all of those things, but then we need to hold them accountable. There's two more aspects to that. But just for right now, let me just say to you, if you assign someone else and you are the one that makes the assignment, not the government, not your neighbor, not a school board, not even a board of directors in a private Christian school. That is your responsibility, sir. That's your responsibility, ma'am. That's your responsibility, dad. That's your responsibility, mom, concerning your own children. Why? Because God is going to hold you accountable, not the government not the church. He's going to hold you accountable because you're needing to make sure that your children are going to be taught the Word of God. And that means that they're going to be sitting under a Bible preacher and a Bible teacher. And the fathers are commanded, according to verse 5, that they should make known this value system, which comes out of laws and statutes and guidelines and rules that God's given, that the generation to come might know them, that the children who would be born, that is, those who are coming in the future, that they may arise and declare them to their children. You see, Christianity is only one generation away from extinction always. If you and I don't pass it down, the next generation of our lineage will not know the faith of Jesus, will not know the words of God, that they may arise and declare them to their generation. Verse 6, that they may set their hope in God. The reason that we pass on to the next generation is not just so they can puff themselves up with knowledge, but so that they might set their hope in God. Now, the word hope is the word anticipation, expectation, assurance. We are saved in expectation. We are saved in hope. Christ in us, Messiah in us, the anointed one in us, the apostle Paul said, is our expectation of glory. Outside of that, we have no hope. We have no expectation. 
Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope is assurance. And this is why Fanny Crosby said, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. You see, when we have Jesus in our life and we have the words of God, we can build our expectation upon a solid foundation, a hope that is forever, that they may set their hope, their expectation in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. You see, when we teach children the truth of God's word, And we teach them to love God, to obey God, to know that His laws are eternal, immutable, they will never change, then they have a sure foundation upon which to build their lives. They can't build their lives upon science. They can't build their lives upon what their teachers teach them apart from the Word of God. Really, are you going to build your life upon science? Do I need to just spend any time with you going back over the last year? And I'm not talking about just medical science. I'm talking about science. Science by its nature is exploration. Science by its nature is experimental. It's constantly changing. And the great eternal principles and laws of science, as Einstein said, we are discovering the thoughts of God. True science is discovering the thoughts of God. These are thoughts that we don't come up with, but that we know that an eternal God has laid out principles and laws that we can follow. Well, God says, teach these great stories to your children. Teach the stories of God in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Teach the great stories of the judges with all of their warts and failures. You know why? Because life is filled with warts and failures. All of us are going to fail. But we've got to teach that God is the God of get up again. God is the God of resurrection. God is the God of second chance. And if we repent of our sins and we get up and go again, then God will be with us and God will favor us. He'll forgive us and give us a brand new start. And the scripture says we need to learn. We need to teach from these failures and from their successes. And the Bible also teaches in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, the Berit Hadashah, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4, that the things were written about ancient Israel were written for our learning and our admonition. That is, God wants us to learn the lessons and not repeat the bad mistakes and the awful things that Israel did in rebellion against God. He said that we need to teach these laws and statutes to our children that they may not forget the great works of God and walk in obedience, keep his commandments. Verse 8 says that they may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. We can teach our children through studying the Tanakh, just the Tanakh itself. Remember, this is the only Bible that John the Baptist had who preached the coming of Mashiach, of Messiah. It was the only Bible that Jesus had. It's the only Bible that Peter, John, James had. It's the only Bible that Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul had. It's the only Bible that the apostles had. It was the Tanakh. The New Testament wasn't written yet. And so it was there that they taught about Jesus and the love of God and the justice and judgment of God about all the things that they brought to light in the New Testament. 
And the scripture says that if we would teach these to our children, that it would keep them when they would see that God means what he says and says what he means, that he rewards those who walk in obedience to him. And if we trust him and live by faith, that we can please God. That's what the book of Hebrews says in chapter 11 and verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible. Without trust, it is incomprehensible that we could please God. God doesn't want us to have to try everything on our own. We can see that what he said is true by just watching the children of Israel. They were a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. And the chapter goes on to describe some of those incidents. Now, what am I saying to you? God is God. The government is not God. And you and I living in this land, many believers, many believers, not all, but many believers have assigned the education, the discipleship of their children, the teaching of their children, the great mechanisms of the universe. And they've assigned that to people who don't know God from Adam's house cat. Now, what am I saying? If we leave out the knowledge of God, then our knowledge system is incomplete. It's askew. The scripture says, remember Proverbs 1-7, that the fear of God, and the fear of God is defined as giving God his rightful place, his place of worship, his place of deity, his place of creator, his place of sustainer of all of life, his place as redeemer. If we leave that out of our science, then our science is askew. Then we will never understand the proper premise from which we are to reason. So there's not going to be a logical cause and effect, and it'll mess up our children's minds. You see, there really is something to teaching a child to think from a premise that is solid. Science is not solid. It's forever changing. Everything else is, but the Word of God is immutable. It never changes. And so, parents, let's take our responsibility serious with our children and grandchildren, and let's make whatever sacrifices we need to make. And those of you who are teaching in the public schools, the government schools, thank God for you. And I'm glad you're there. I'm glad you're salt and light and all of that. But let me tell you something. If you cannot put God in your science teaching, then you're teaching them an incomplete truth. And you're not teaching them in many ways truth at all because you are leaving God out of the equation. If you're teaching evolution, you're teaching heresy and you need to stop it. And let me tell you, there is no greater motivation for learning math than to understand God put all these laws, mathematical laws, into the universe. Tell them why. Not that you're just learning this and it just so happens it all works out. Who worked that out? Who designed all of that? Teach them that. You say, well, I'll get fired. Well, what's more important, your job, your career, how much money you're making, or teaching truth? Didn't you get in this to help children? It's not about you. It never has been about you. If it's about you, then you're in the wrong profession. It should be about teaching. And many of you are wonderful, godly, gifted teachers. Begin to teach truth. Let's press this thing and see how far we can go. Because you see, this is how we got in the mess that we did because God's people wouldn't stand up. And so we thought, well, it won't hurt anything and we'll just keep things going. Yes, we have. We're going as fast as we can and running our nation into hell and leading our children there. And what I'm telling you is, let's stand up. Now, is that going to make you popular? Absolutely not. But it will make you uh, popular with the one that means the most, and that's God himself. Let's talk about it. 
Call me up. I'll take you out to dinner, to lunch. I'll have coffee with you. I can come to your house. You can come to mine. But what I'm telling you is we've got to get serious about teaching our children. And pastors, let me just say to you, let's teach the children the Word of God. Join me in an effort of doing that. I am leading a church and helping a church. I am guiding a church, and I'm going to do everything I can to lead them to teach the children the truths of God's Word, to memorize it, hide it in their heart, to saturate their minds with it, because that is what brings about a proper understanding of who we are, how we got here, why we're here, and where we're going to spend eternity. We're on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.